I don't think God's interested in just kind of us theorizing about him. I think God is really interested in us living fully the good life that he's created for us and has saved us into. Welcome to the Extraordinary Lives Podcast, where we talk about lives that go beyond the ordinary to the extraordinary, with the extra being Jesus. We'll be encouraged with amazing stories and helpful insights from the lives of ordinary people who have that extra, that supernatural difference that only Jesus can give. I'm your host, Ellen Bennett. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to welcome Matt Jarmanin, who is a clinical psychologist, and I know him and his family through Seacoast Community Church in Encinitas. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Helen. Matt, tell us a little bit first just about what you're up to these days. Sure. Yeah, Ellen, thanks for having me for the chance to kind of be on and talk a little bit about what's what's going on and some of my passions and what, what God's been encouraging me with over the years. So yeah, I mean, the main things that I'm up to currently, I'm a clinical psychologist. And so I work in private practice locally in the community here in Encinitas. And that's kind of my day job, if you will. And then I'm involved as an elder at Seacoast Community Church where my family and I attend. And I have a big passion for the integration of spirituality and psychology and how those processes come together. I did my clinical psych PhD at Fuller Theological Seminary. And so that was a big place of integration between those two fields. So I'm really passionate about kind of helping people overcome psychological barriers, but also using the science of psychology to help understand the Christian formation journey and kind of how we embody that as a community um, in our relationships. And so it's been really fun to get to wear those hats uh, as an elder and help speak into some of the process at Seacoast through those lenses. Yes, yes. Well, tell me a little bit about your family growing up and then your family now. Sure. Yeah. Right now we've got uh, two two young kids, seven and nine, uh, older daughter, Cora, and younger son, Cohen, and my wife, Kim. We've been married since 2007. We met in college, so we've been doing life together and trying to figure out life together as a family and through all the ups and downs of having kids and all the joys and struggles that that brings. Yes. So that's the life stage we're in now with, I guess we're in sports and dance and, you know, camping and all those kinds of things. So it's a fun, fun phase of life we're in currently. Growing up, I grew up in in Northern California in near Sacramento in a town called Folsom and had three brothers. So I was the third of four boys and yeah, grew up in a Christian home and had a pretty wonderful experience just growing up in family. It was a very stable place, very loving place. And we were very involved and connected with our local church, which was kind of like a hub for so many different things, a hub for activities or a hub for relationships, a hub for formation and growth. And so I grew up kind of my whole life from two years on at the same church. And that was a really formative place and experience for me. Great. And how did you become a believer, a follower of Christ? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I um, said the, the sinner's prayer probably five or six times just to make sure I was I was good. <laughs> You know, make sure I really, really meant it uh, those first five times. So so there are a number of moments of kind of experiencing kind of calls to respond to 
a sermon or something like that. And as a very young kid feeling stirred to kind of respond to that and telling my parents, you know, Hey, I said that prayer and, you know, Hey, I said that prayer again, (laughs) I said that prayer again, just in case. So the kind of decision to follow Christ was made very, very early on. Church was always something very important to our family and, and a consistent part of my life growing up. But then the process of what does it look like to be a believer was I think, formed throughout my childhood going to that church. My older brothers were very involved in the youth group, and I kind of watched them go through that process with some very important mentors in their life and then followed in their footsteps, looking up to them. They were six and four years older than me, kind of following in their footsteps and going through that journey myself was a really rich, rich process of growth and as a believer in terms of my faith. That's great. I know we were told when we had young children how important mentors would be in our kids' lives. And that's really held true. So it's fun to actually hear you have that experience. Yeah, 100%. And people who are lifelong friends, I mean, people that I still am really connected with. My youth pastor growing up ended up being the head pastor of a church where I went to grad school. And so I attended that church for four years. So the people that were involved in the children's ministry and the youth ministry that really poured into me Uh, have been really lifelong support systems and mentors. I just went backpacking with my old youth pastor and my dad this past year. So I've been really blessed knowing how much turnover there can be in churches and how much kind of variability. I had a very stable, you know, for years and years and years, my older brothers going through it, me going through it all with basically the same solid core crew of people that have been lifetime friends until now. So I feel very blessed. Wow. Was there any certain moments in your life where your relationship with Jesus became more real or was it just a process? Yeah. I mean, definitely a, a formative process for sure. There were moments in high school where I was going to church like six days a week. I was in working with the kids. I was doing a midweek service. I was going to this worship service venue. We were doing all these different things. And I think the most profound felt experience of God was in some of those kind of midweek worship focused events where it was not so much for new believers or anything like that. It was really, hey, for core people who want to really express their connection with God through song and through worship. Those were times where, you know, it became a next level of real for me. I think, in some of those experiences. And we had missions trips and different things that were really formative as well and kind of put bones on the gospel to some extent. But it was some of those moments that kind of really transformed how I lived my life and how I saw, you know, my purpose and all those kinds of things. So those were really powerful times. Yeah. That's great. Okay. And I'm dying to know how you met Kim at college and which college. Yeah. Yeah. So we both went to Point Loma Nazarene University. Um, We got set up on a dorm date. It's called the Guy Rad. For some people who may be familiar with it, it stands for Get Your Roommate a Date. And it's common with Christian colleges. And so I got set up by a classmate who thought, you know, I would be a good fit for her Bible study leader who happened to be Kim. And that is a long story that I that I won't fully go into. But basically, she's crying one day and I walk into class and I'm like, oh, are you OK? Like, what's what's wrong? And she's like, you guys are just going to be so perfect together. And I was like, what are you talking about? I haven't even met this person. 
I told you I'm not interested, all that kind of stuff. And it turned out last minute, I ended up going basically because she kind of blackmailed me. And she's like, I told her that you were going the whole time. Now she has nobody to go with. And so you're not, you can't leave her hanging at this point. So it was a um, kind of hilarious start to our relationship. Um, but yeah. And it worked. Yeah, it worked. Yeah. Yeah. I can't say how many people got together on those guy reds. So. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Well, I'm excited yeah. to be with you here today to especially hear about your heart for others and for counseling and the difference counseling can make sure. in our lives. Yeah. I mean, I guess to tie some of those pieces together are, so the church that I went to, it started as a real seeker sensitive church and was just really interested in, Hey, how do we just bring people into the fold? But then when I was in high school and then into the later years of that, they really changed their focus and discovered spiritual formation, Dallas Willard, Richard Foster, the spiritual disciplines. And really did a kind of 180 in terms of their approach of how they saw the Christian journey. And that really inspired me to start thinking about, okay, it's not just about saying a prayer and then getting into heaven. It's really about the kind of kingdom that we're invited to live in the present moment. And how are we doing that? And how are we not doing that? And why aren't we doing that if we're not doing that? You know, so that was the early seeds that then led to me studying psychology and theology at Point Loma. So I studied those two different fields and theology was kind of the big picture of life and the world and meaning and purpose and community and God and all those pieces. And then psychology was really like, okay, how does this play itself out? one-on-one, -on -one, person to person, heart to heart, and what gets in the way. And there were all kinds of people in college that were the most faithful Christians and were praying every day and reading their Bibles every day. But for some reason, they weren't living and experiencing kind of the fruit of the Spirit. And I was always like, okay, I know these people, like they're asking God ardently to change some dynamic and it's not happening. Is God just not hearing their prayers or is there some other element that might be going on? And so that was part of my initial interest and research and investigation is how can we actually live this the beauty of the kingdom out on earth? And are there things that we can do to help participate in that? And are there things that get in the way of that? And so that was my early interest that just kind of led to more and more study, more and more practice, more and more kind of looking into those things. That's great. I know that our family's really benefited from from some teaching on spiritual formation at Seacoast. Yeah. And then for listeners, Sue Smedley's part two is about spiritual formation. Oh, great. If you're interested in, in hearing more about that, that's a good one to listen to. Oh, that's phenomenal. Yeah, it's to me that really gets into how are we being shaped? Because I think most people when when they get into the Christian life or they, they become a believer and now it's like, now what, you know, now what do I do? And I think all of us experience or are aware that sometimes we feel totally fired up in the spirit and we're really feeling fully in line with where God is calling us. And then there are other times where it's like, man, I'm, I'm stuck here. Or I'm wrestling here. Or I'm anxious here. Or what I know to be true in my head is not really landing in my heart. And 
why is that happening? And what do I need to let go of? And what needs to be shaped and formed in me as God continues to sanctify me and change me? So those are the things that I really am interested in. And, and those are the things that I love to do on a day-to-day basis is helping people identify where those barriers are and to help them kind of start to work those pieces through. That's great. Can you help us, Matt, with some of that? (laughs) One place that might just be clarifying to start is, you know, with the parable of the sower, of all the parables that encapsulate the integrative journey for me is, is that one. It essentially is that there's somebody who's sowing seed And some of the seed falls on ground and it plants itself and it grows up and it grows into great life and there bears fruit and all these kinds of things. And, you know, for me, that's the ideal. It's just, yeah, okay, tell people about the good news and then the seed will plant and then it'll grow and then it'll flourish and then the kingdom of God will come and be manifest in their life. And but unfortunately, it doesn't always happen that way. And the parable speaks of, you know, some people with rocky soil or thorns that choke the word from bearing fruit. And so that analogy of how can we be tilling the soil of our hearts? How do we till the soil of our kind of relationships and our our minds so that when we hear the good news, it actually plants itself in our heart and grows and bears good fruit. Those are the pieces that are, are really fascinating and, and interesting to me. And I think there is tons in the world of psychology and the world of spiritual formation that really speaks to some of those elements. Um, so I'm happy to yeah share a little bit of those pieces. Yes, please do. I know sometimes a pastor will be up front and they'll say, it's Father's Day or it's Mother's Day. and But for some of you, that can be a hard day. Or, oh, yeah. or they might say something like, you know, seeing God as our father for many of us is a beautiful thing. But for some people, oh, yeah. maybe even all of us, it can bring up aspects of our imperfect fathers yes. because no one's perfect. Yeah. So there's so many things that in our own thinking and environment and upbringing that can kind of get in the way yeah. of being able to receive and understand and live out and trust even. Absolutely. That we could go for hours on this. <laughs> so I'll try to be, be brief because you're bringing up such fantastic points is the reality is that, yeah, we, we all have diverse experiences in life and with people. And so when we're invited to relate to God as our father, as our parent or things like that, ideally, again, we feel this flood of love and compassion and grace and acceptance and all that kind of stuff. I mean, ideally, when we go to God and worship, that's the experience that we're there to receive. And it's like every Sunday we have an opportunity and and even more than Sunday, but, you know, we have opportunities to receive this like incredible connection with this loving, accepting, good creator. But does everybody feel that every single Sunday? No, I don't. I don't think so. And I think some of that speaks to what you're bringing up is we all have relational experiences that can be difficult, sometimes traumatic. Sometimes, you know, those things get kind of encoded into our way of relating and shape our experiences. And so then when we have opportunities to connect, those things can get triggered, even on like a subtle, subconscious, unconscious kind of level. And they can just affect our experience of worship or our experience of God or our experience of another person or our experience of ourselves. And so 
you know, it's one thing to say, hey, you're loved and you're cared for and you're accepted and Christ died for you and your sins are forgiven and all those kinds of things. But if those aren't landing on hearts that can receive that or hearts that have been hurt or wounded or, you know, scarred through traumatic experiences or through unresolved guilt or shame or all these different anxieties, it's like, okay, those things sound good, but they don't actually land and resonate with my heart. In my heart, I feel bad. In my heart, I feel wounded. In my heart, I feel less than. And so those are the things where I think the science of psychology, the practice of counseling can really help a person who is receiving good news from the pulpit, you know, or receiving good news from the pastor or from online sermons or different things but it's not really sinking into their hearts in the deeper kind of way that they know they aren't being invited into. And for those kinds of people, that's where I get really excited and passionate is helping people kind of embody and experience the kind of beautiful Christian truths that we know are out there. That's great. Sometimes we use the concept of freedom. Mm -hmm. God has given us freedom. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Oh, sure. In Galatians 5.1. Yeah. But what does that really mean? And do you have any helpful tools or any helpful ideas that, that you can give us today? Besides, of course, if you are feeling this way, it might be good to go and talk to a counselor. A hundred percent. I mean, if you have a trusted person who you can kind of do that kind of work with, it was profoundly helpful for me. I mean, I had all these theological truths. I had a master's degree in theology and different things. And when I went and saw a therapist for the first time, it was like, okay, I have all these ideas, but like, why am I feeling all these different ways? And why can't I fully experience the truths that I have in my head? And all this stuff started to emerge in the course of my therapy just from somebody being there and being present with me and welcoming everything that came up. And it was just a really powerful way in which my experience of God started to shift. So I highly, highly encourage it. I mean, again, it's one thing to kind of say, oh, you're accepted and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It, but we, we can't always feel that unless we've experienced that from another person. And therapy is often a great place to do that where someone can hear you and connect with you and be present with you and help you let go and be freed from some of the things that you might be carrying previously. So obviously that's what I do. Obviously that's that's something I affirm. But in terms of practical tips, um, one of the things that I'm trying to do is take the science of therapy and the science of emotional and, and kind of trauma processing and making it really simple and accessible for people. Sometimes it can kind of live in this like either the ivory tower of academics, or it can kind of be kept to this like kind of what is this therapy thing? And what's that about? And, and we, we haven't done a good job as mental health people of, of sharing some really practical things that can really help a lot of people with the community. And so I've started a kind of group brand or way of focusing that's called emotion fit. And it's all based on emotional fitness and trying to demystify and destigmatize mental health and, and all those things. But one of the things that we offer through that website, it's emotionfit.us or US, is there's a program tab and we are offering this free emotional fitness program that's kind of like a home exercise program, but for your emotions. And it really helps people identify and begin to work through some of the 
places in which they're stuck in terms of their past traumas or past emotional struggles that sometimes are some of those areas where we're struggling to be freed from. So that's going to be a, a resource that's just free to the public and people can access it. We're going to be putting out a host of educational videos and different things for people to use to kind of get in touch with those things. But and Matt, just to clarify really fast, I'm sure that's all anonymous, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, you can go on the site and download it and it's just, you know, it's yours to use and, and a free resource and, and that kind of thing. And it's done from more of a secular lens because it's for a broad audience, but there are really significant applications. There's a spirituality tab on the website as well that people can look at that kind of speaks a little bit of how these things come together. Again, there's books and books and books that go into some of these things, so I'll, I'll try to be succinct about it. But there's something amazing about us and our bodies and our nervous system and how God has created us and how... God uses and has given us our emotions as almost like built-in healing, writing, focusing, motivating forces. And I think a profound way in which God's spirit meets us and impresses upon our hearts and shapes us and changes us. And that when some of our experiences block or inhibit some of our normal emotional processes, that's where freedom becomes a bit more of a challenge. And that's where certain theological truths run into internal emotional barriers that make it difficult for us to really receive that truth. And so that's where tilling the soil kind of makes sense on an emotional level is really helping work through and clear out any emotional barriers that might be getting in the way. And that's where we are trying to kind of boil it down to if you're a physical fitness person, you know, our joints, our skeleton, all these things, our ligaments, our musculature, all these things God has weaved together in such an amazing, beautiful way. And the same is true with our emotions and our nervous system and how our minds and how all those things work together. And so we're trying to take the science of all that stuff and the beauty of how God's created us and boil it down into really simple, clear, accessible language that people can use and can help them start to work through some of those emotional struggles. That sounds really exciting. That's great. Yeah. I look forward to taking a look. Yeah. You know, one thing I remember hearing that's been very helpful to me is that if I have an overreaction to something, yeah. that can be something to really look at. So sometimes totally. we might call that a trigger. Yep. So let's say all of a sudden I am just exploding and angry over something and I think, where did that come from? <laughs> or maybe I'm all of a sudden sad about something. And I'm thinking, where did that yes. come from? Is it true that it's often something that we need to go back to way back in time from growing up? Or can it just be any experiences that we've had as we've gone along in life? Totally. Well, good for you for recognizing and identifying, oh, that was an overreaction as opposed to just, no, that was the right reaction. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I think we can all relate to experiences where for some reason we're finding ourselves having a reaction that doesn't fit the scenario, whether it's in our interactions with our spouses or with our kids or different things. I mean, sometimes that stuff gets triggered. 
And there's, again, a whole set of science that goes into why that happens and when that happens. For me, it's not so much about like, you got to go back to your child and work through every single thing that's ever happened to you. I think that's overkill. But when you're having symptoms, when you're having those kinds of reactions, those are signs that something is unresolved in your emotional world, in your past. And those are avenues where I see it almost like as a little flag, you know, like a little, hey, dig here, you know, hey, there's something here. And I see that as God kind of inviting us to kind of notice, oh, there's there's something kind of hidden here that we need to chew on as the next layer of God's sanctifying process. Right. So those are, you know, annoying when they happen. But, you know, I think God's always trying to teach us. God's always trying to form us and invite us into greater degrees of, of fullness of life in his kingdom. And so those are moments for me that I think some people look outward or they look at social justice or they look at different things. As a psychologist, you know, those are the things that I'm really excited about and feel God's call for me is to look inward and to dig into those little moments where our hearts aren't really lining up with the truth of the kingdom as it is in front of us. And where are those rub points and where am I reacting out of the flesh or out of my old self or whatever that is? And how do I look at those and start to kind of see and allow God's light to shine into some of those past places? And how do I let go of some of the old lies that were there or let go of some of the past burdens that I've been carrying or past traumas that I've been carrying? And how do I allow God to set me free on a deeper level? That's the stuff that's really, really transformative for me. I love too that you brought up where the lies in my life that I'm believing, because that Mm -hmm. can really help us pinpoint, wow, I'm believing that lie right now about myself. Totally. Um, Whether it's, I need to be ashamed about this, which is the opposite of who I really am in Christ. Absolutely. And that can you know, help me begin to start to change my mindset. Absolutely. So that's a really good point too. I mean, if you're thinking about the kingdom of God, there's no place really for shame. I mean, it's kind of like we are God's beloved children and chosen people. And God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. Like, okay, where does shame fit into that? You know, and so if we're experiencing shame or experiencing anxiety or some of these other things, it's like, okay, where is there a foothold for this kind of, you know, to me, it's, it's like a kind of cancer, you know? And so it's like, okay, well, how do we root out the, the source and the origin of some of those things? And how do we help remove those things and free ourselves from those things so that we can actually experience the fullness of the truth, you know, of, of who we are as, as God's children? That's great. And of course, that makes just such a huge difference with everyone we interact with. Mm. So it will make us a much better parent, a much better friend, yeah. much better helper and um, servant of others. If yeah. we can work through some of that ourselves, then it will free us up to be able to help others, I think, in, a, in an even stronger way. Absolutely. And that goes back to what you're saying of when am I really feeling like living out of a heart of gratitude or service or compassion or whatever. And when am I finding myself like really irritated or really impatient or really burnt out or really like, 
you know, where are these other things? Because those really aren't the fruits of the spirit. So where are those showing up in my life and my relationships and my, you know, job or my calling or different things? Because those are usually signs that, oh, something is not aligned emotionally or spiritually. And often, yeah, it's connected to, oh, because this is stirring up or triggering something unresolved from my past. And it's often not something we're immediately consciously aware of, which is the beauty of having somebody who can walk you through your blind spots and help you see and explore what you otherwise couldn't see. But oftentimes, once people see it and and they can experience a shift internally, then it's like, oh, man, that's where the freedom really comes. Whereas otherwise, you know, it might, well, you know, you should be grateful here. You know that you should be uh, just feeling so happy that you get to serve these people, right? And it's like, I know, but I don't feel that, you know. And so that's where people sometimes can feel even more ashamed because their heart isn't really lined up with whatever the truth is they're being told about. Um, and so that's where, you know, being able to actually be present with people, listen to where their hearts are in line with the gospel and where they're not. And, and to be patient with people as you explore, where is it not lined up? And let's look at why that's happening and how we can help you kind of shift your heart in that kind of more kingdom aligned direction. That's great. That reminds me too of how with our reactions, sometimes we're actually really breaking a relationship. We're Hmm. we're putting barriers up with others, uh, maybe out of self-protection or irritation. Uh So if we can get down deeper and try to understand where it's coming from, then it can really help us in our relationships with others. Yeah. But also maybe give us some humility as far as just understanding that we're all going through hard things sure. and having some grace and mercy toward others as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think this process of self-discovery, I think, helps us naturally be more empathic to other people because we see, oh, man, yeah, there's my stuff. Oh, yep, there's my hangups there. Oh, there's that there. And so, you know, we all have our issues. Nobody's life has been perfect. Nobody has been loved perfectly their whole entire life. And so we all sometimes struggle to experience a God that is unconditionally loving. There's a lot to say on that topic. I just want to resonate with what you're saying, I guess. As we kind of round up things, is there anything that you want to share with our audience that you want to make sure that you get in before this podcast ends? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that, and you were talking, Ellen, about boundaries and different things with other people. So for example, anger is an emotion. And sometimes anger can take this like irritating kind of push other people away kind of form. And to me, that's not really how God intended it, that actually there's a really holy, really righteous kind of anger that we saw a couple of weeks ago in Ryan's sermon on Jesus turning over the, the money changers tables at the temple and really kind of speaking very honestly and directly about something that is out of line with the heart of God. And there are things like that that is part of, I think, God's spirit moving in each of our hearts. Okay, that sometimes there is a level of justified anger that God is putting in our hearts as a form of self-assertion or self-protection or as a way of lovingly calling somebody else out or calling ourselves out in some kind of form. And so you know, that's really where I've spent a lot of time is kind of seeing how each of our emotions are 
a form of love and how they can be expressed in our relationships as a form of love, even anger, even sadness, even some of these negative emotions. And that when we experience them and they're kind of being felt in the way that God has designed them to be felt, they really help guide our relationships. They help us reach out and connect. They help us draw boundaries when we need to. They help us connect when people are struggling or sad or different things like that. And so that's really what's been amazing to me is seeing how people, when they can work through their emotional struggles and connect with the heart that God has given them, then these really profound changes can flow in themselves and how they relate to themselves, but also in how they relate to other people. So that's really has been a profound thing for me and maybe something that to highlight for the audience is just, you know, if for some reason you're not feeling the way that you feel you want to about yourself or you're not feeling the way that you want to in one of your relationships or in your relationship with God, that there is hope out there. There's people that can help walk you through these different processes. It's not because you're bad or you're somehow messed up or crazy or any of these other things, but that it might mean that just, yeah, one of these past struggles or difficulties is getting stirred up and is a kind of block for you and that, you know, there's no shame in in reaching out for help and getting support along the way. And there's plenty of avenues to do that, some of which involve an individual therapist or counselor. Some of those involve just resources that churches offer. Freedom in Christ is a ministry that Seacoast has worked with for a while that is engaged or helping people engage in some of these things. So I think that's what I'd want people to know is that there's there's hope and kind of possibilities if you're feeling stuck or shut down or unable to experience something the way that you think kind of in your mind that you should. God is constantly at work doing good things and there's people that can help you participate in that. That's great, Matt. And I'm really glad you brought that up about anger because being from the South, it just always seemed like it wasn't okay to be angry. But I think too, what you're saying is that sometimes anger can really give us insight into something being wrong. Maybe we're in a situation where we're being mistreated or abused in some way, and that anger flares up and it's good to know, huh, why is that anger coming up? It's not all bad. It could be a warning of some kind as well. I mean, the tricky thing is there's anger has so many different forms and expressions, and some of it is really, really healthy, and some of it is really, really unhealthy. And, you know, sometimes it gets a bad rap because it's all dumped into the same bucket, you know, and that's where I think us as psychologists and mental health people can do a better job of helping educate the public on what's, you know, what the differences are. And, you know, if you're feeling exasperated and frustrated and overwhelmed and nothing's going right and you're trying to express it, but it's not going anywhere. Yeah, that's there's there's an issue there, you know, and that's not a time to just lean into your anger even more. It's a time to back up and say, wait, what's going on here? Because something's not working. And there's often, you know, again, other reasons why that's going on, either from your past or it's alerting you to some other dynamic of, oh, this is what was really going on between us. Is So, yeah, God has given us anger as a really healthy thing. It can go a lot of different ways. It can go sideways to go into anxiety. And we tend to get anxious whenever we feel anger instead. Or it tends to go inward, and then we start to feel ashamed or bad about ourselves. 
And so not only is it healthy to be able to have a, a good grasp on our anger, but when we don't, it can cause problems. And that can also then kind of warp our experience of the kingdom. But essentially all it is, is something I care about is being blocked or interfered with. And so if I care about something good, or if I care about myself and somebody is hurting me in some way, anger is going to be alerted. And sometimes that's about the person itself. Sometimes it's not about the person. It's just they're reminding you of somebody you have some unresolved anger with. And so that's where us always kind of listening to our emotions, not saying, well, I have this feeling, so therefore it's true, but just listening to our emotions as ways in which God is kind of impressing things upon us and to kind of engage with them in that kind of way to be able to sort out, okay, I'm feeling really angry. Do I need to assert myself here? Is that really why? Is somebody taking advantage of me? Is somebody harming somebody that I care about? Is something unjust happening here? You know, or is everything actually fine? And this is just tapping into something from my past that, oh, this person is reminding me about this person who was really harmful to people or was really destructive in my family in the past or whatever. Oh, okay, that's who I really have anger about. Okay, yeah, and God's telling me that that really wasn't okay. And let me listen to the Spirit as God shows me that, yeah, that was really destructive and not okay. And I don't need to overreact in the present. I don't need to beat myself up for it or any of these other detours that can sometimes come with things like that. That is intriguing. So many things to think about. Wow. So much food for thought today, Matt. Thank you so much. This is a very deep subject. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for the chance to share a little bit about what God has been putting on my heart and yeah, for making the space for your listeners to kind of be exposed to some of this content. I think there's a lot of good that can come to it and a lot of good that God is doing in it. Sometimes people get a little nervous around ideas of psychology or mental health or different things, but I think there's plenty of people from a Christian perspective who, you know, are in the know about how people transform and change and the science of those things, but can integrate that within a very clear Christian theological convictions. And so there's lots of places that people can get help in those areas if they're interested. I love that. And it is really wonderful if you can approach psychology from a Christian perspective. And I just keep thinking about Psalm 139, where the end of that psalm, it says, search me, Father, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts or know my wicked ways and lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Lead me back to you. Yeah, absolutely. That's what's beautiful about meditating on God's word and reflecting on God's word and seeing how it's lining up with, you know, again, that's where you're weighing the truths of scripture against your lived experience and your relationships and your emotional life and all those kinds of things. And where are those lining up and where are they not? I mean, that's a, I think, a, a really helpful practice. There are all these little subtle things that sometimes manifest in different ways or look in different ways. And that's what's really fun for me about the work that I'm doing is exploring those areas with people and trying to figure out, okay, what's going on? It looks like this, but is that really what it is? Oh, well, let's look a little deeper. Oh, okay, here's what's going on. And now we can see why your experience isn't lining up with the truth of scripture. Okay, you know, now that gives us a little bit more of a clue. So to me, it's just, you know, another part of God's sanctifying grace, just, just helping us kind of see 
I, I don't think God's interested in just kind of us theorizing about him. I think God is really interested in us living fully the good life that he's created for us and has saved us into. And so all of the nitty gritties of where that works really well and where that goes wrong are the really exciting things I think us as a community can really dig into together. Wow, so much food for thought today, Matt. Thank you so much. I sure appreciate your time and just your heart and for the ways you want to affect other believers to be able to live out the kingdom here on earth, as well as help them be in touch with what they are feeling and any blocks that they might have with getting closer to Christ and getting closer to others. So my hat's off to what you're doing. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Ellen. Thanks for having me on. And thank you for the rich discussion. It was fun for me to kind of get to chew into these things a little bit further. I hope your listeners benefit from it. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. This is Ellen Bennett with the Extraordinary Lives podcast.